0: Oh, my.
1: We got Twitch, we got YouTube, we got Twitter, All right. we got Facebook, so wow. um just want to say hi to everyone. And this is episode 51, so um, we're m- more than halfway to 100 <laughs> episodes, so um, wow. you know, I think we set out our goal to do just a few, and now 15, <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
2: one yeah. season, right? W- Wasn't right,
1: yeah. one season, and yeah. now um, <laughs> 50 episodes later, here we are episode
2: 51 don't forget we did a a mega one with like four hours back to back so that counts as what three episodes
1: that's true wow that's true
2: (laughs) four hours
1: (laughs) so today we have a special guest and it's actually a very someone that probably knows me um from my past you know an old friend i would say so Mm. i've known john since i was 19.
3: yeah wow Wow.
1: that's right yeah so yeah, cool. um we work at the gym together he knew me when i was in shape <laughs> <laughs> and, 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 and this guy never ages i think john looks exactly the same i i keep getting older and john stays the same so um, it's, it's because so he moved to japan it's all that yes i was gonna raw, say that yeah raw sushi. <laughs> <laughs>
3: that's it the raw fish helps everything right
1: yep. so so john still looks like he's in his 20s, he looks the same, and I keep getting older. But, um, John met his wife, um, through me, so we, mm-hmm. we got you know, we, we have a long history of just friendship throughout the years. And, um, when did you move to Japan?
3: It's been almost 15 years now. 15 years. Wow, yeah,
1: so so why don't you share with our audience kind of introduce yourself and kind mm-hmm. of your history, right? You went from being a power lifter being in the fitness industry. <laughs> mm. And now you're in getting ready to launch your business. So introduce yourself before we get started tonight.
3: Okay. Yeah. So yeah, Kevin, as you mentioned, you and I've known each other for longer than I'd like to admit for ages. And actually, you know, this morning, I was just ex- telling my son that w- we're gonna do this thing. And I was explaining who you are. And you're the guy that introduced me to his mom. So yeah, it, you know, actually, in a couple days, this will put things into perspective for you, Kevin. In a couple of days, Sayaka, my wife, and I will celebrate our 18th wedding anniversary.
0: Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So, so it's congratulations. been congratulations.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Right. So, yeah, as Kevin said, when you and I met, um, I was a trainer at the YMCA. I was kind of you know in, in charge of the weight room, and I was also a substance abuse counselor. So yeah. I did that for several years. I, counseling was something that I kind of fell into and it, tr- it turned out to be a really good match for me. Training, personal training was a passion. It's something I'd always loved. I like to people out fitness and how to do things correctly and how to love working out. And, you know, I did that for a while. Uh, I tried to put together a small business and, you know, it kind of was good and bad in, in some ways. And some, a few years after uh, my wife and I met, um, we started talking about the idea of moving to Japan. So I started looking at the possibility of becoming a counselor in Japan, and realized it wasn't a good idea. It's really tough mm-hmm. to make living as a counselor here in Japan, especially if you don't speak Japanese. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I, I started looking around to see what else is available, and I I learned that real you know teaching English as a second language is a really good opportunity. So I went from Missouri, Springfield, Missouri is where we were living to San Diego. I spent a month at San Diego State University and went through their 120 hour ESL uh, certification. It was a great Mm -hmm. program. I spent four hours a day, every day as a student and the other four hours a day, every day as a teacher working with a mentor teacher or several mentor teachers. And then they hooked me up uh, with a job coming here to Japan. I I worked at a university for the first year and a half, and you know that led, you know, to other opportunities. Um, so over the last 15 years, I guess I have kind of specialized in teaching one-to-one lessons. So if you don't know much about teaching English in Japan, uh, the most common job is working at an eikaiwa, which means a group English lesson school. It's a private school situation. So I worked at the university for a year and a half. I uh, didn't know I was being overworked. I thought I had a normal schedule, but I, I taught 900 <laughs> lessons in a year and a half. 900 Whoa. classes. Yeah. Yeah. Whoa. Seven. At seven classes a day, five days a week. I thought that was wow. normal, but my Japanese colleagues were, I le- le- later realized, were teaching seven or eight a week. I was doing that in a day. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah, yeah. It was a great learning experience. I learned how to teach. I learned how to listen. I learned about the culture and I, I learned how to put lessons together. That led me into teaching one-to-one. And I've now taught over 35,000 one-to-one lessons.
1: Cool. That's crazy. Yeah. yeah. So is this face-to-face um, meeting up prior to COVID of course, or was it more virtual? Uh,
3: and. Prior to COVID, it was all face to face. Okay. Yeah, of course. Uh, we we a lot of teachers come here and do what we call coffee shop lessons. You hook you you know meet up at Starbucks or someplace like that and teach that way. And I've done a lot of that, but I got lucky, and I'm I found a school that basically works as kind of a go between.
1: Mm-hmm. So
3: they they introduce the instructors to the clients, and then they do the marketing. They do uh, the the Japanese support, that sort of thing. So that's where I, I've been working for the last 14 years. <clears throat> um, a slow day, an easy day would be five lessons. Um, a typical Saturday is 16 lessons.
2: Oh, my that's gosh.
3: A, yeah, it's a you, five, five minutes between okay. lessons. Yeah,
2: John, but, quick, quick question, right? <laughs> quick question. You, you said 35,000 lessons so far, that's more what? than 35,000, right? And you mentioned, what, 14 years? Yeah, yeah so quick calculation that's 2005 classes a year
3: 2005 like that. that's right that's my right my goodness <laughs> and
2: and, and, a, and a second question um mm. i'm sorry if this sounds uh stereotypical because it is um <laughs> uh, you always see in movies and shows you know uh it seems like english teachers are in demand it's like a, a common job for foreigners to do in japan Why why is that so or is it true and why is that so
3: it is true. Yeah, especially where I live. If I meet a, a, a gaijin, so gaijin means foreigner. So mm. I meet another gaijin uh, somewhere in town. I, mm-hmm. Before I ask them what they do, I already have an idea. <laughs> I'll just ask them, are, are you an engineer or English teacher? There's, there's only those two options. There's only the other. Right, right, right. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah, so the, yeah, the stereotype is true. Almost every foreigner that I meet is an English teacher.
2: Not 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 Chinese, not Spanish, not French, some there, other language.
3: Yeah, there are other languages as well, but I but think not
2: as prevalent as English.
3: No, English is hmm. definitely number one. I'd say in the last couple of years, Chinese has risen though. Yeah, so obvi- for obvious reasons, uh, business a lot of businesses are expanding and working more closely with factories in China, so that's become more important. But English is probably eighty percent of the market.
2: Right, right, yeah. right. I see. I mean, okay, so, that's cool.
1: I think this is perfect for us to transition into tonight's topic. So, um, we've been talking about we, we've been in this phase about um careers in uh, March, right? Being that hey, we're going into spring, and um, a, when it's spring, there's a lot of changes, right? Uh, it may be hey, um, it's getting warmer weather, you're happier, you might want to jump ship. Or you might have just lost your job, unfortunately. So what does it look like for someone looking at a foreign market?
4: Mm-hmm. You
1: know, like, hey, moving away from where you're comfortable or your comfort zone and really like going into a, not to another state, but another mm-hmm. country. <laughs> and how do you actually become marketable in that other con- country? And what mm-hmm. are things you have to kind of look out for because there's culture because
0: it,
1: it, it's really relevant at this time. Right. You got mm. all this stuff going on in the US and you hear people complying and it's like, OK, you can go somewhere else, you know. Mm. Uh, and um and also, you know, uh, when it comes to, you know, the challenge of racism and different things. Right. Mm. Um, it's everywhere, right? It's just reality. It's not just in the US, you know, right, we act like this is like a new thing. But Mm -hmm. even among our own people, and I know Eldrick, Jeremy, and myself can attest to this being Asians, you Mm -hmm. know, even within Asians, we have prejudice and racism. Mm -hmm. And john, Mm -hmm. I'm sure you're you're experienced that within (laughs) Japanese culture as well. Mm -hmm. So um, let's start with how you become marketable. Picking yourself up from one country going to another and love to hear because Jeremy has an interesting um, job. too. You work for a U.S. company, but you yeah, live I... in Singapore. So love to hear your perspective. And even Eldrick, Eldrick um, works with people globally. You know, he doesn't just work with Singaporeans or Asians. Right. Um, so love to hear, you know, and same with myself. You know, I work with a global Portfolio of clients as well. So, um, whoever wants to go first, um, love to hear your perspective.
2: I think, I think traditionally I go first, so I'll, I'll stick to that tradition. <laughs>
1: oh
2: <God>. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, uh, so, I think, I think a, a few things about how to be marketable. Uh, I guess um, most of you guys who know me uh, know that I've worked in China for nine years, and uh, I think that was kind of lucky. I wasn't specifically like you know marketable, so that I was you know, absconded to go to, to China. So I, I just I just got lucky and uh, sort of became friends with the uh, China general manager and I was asked to help. Um, but I think one key consideration um, why I was able to um, be considered to go into to, to work in China is because of uh, language capability. I do think that my Chinese is probably above average compared to most Singaporeans. And uh, yeah, I guess... <coughs> To move to another country, I think language is the biggest, number one, uh, cultural and practical consideration. Um, and because everything else is, you know, your, your work skills, they are there, they are there. Um, but of course, the other big factor when you move to that country to work is the cultural aspect. Mm. So I guess in because I, I I'm Asian, I'm Chinese and I look like Chinese and I went to work in China, I can fly under the radar. I don't stick out as much as uh, you know, John in Japan. <laughs> so So that, that, that kind of that kinda of helps a little bit. Um but culturally, you know, despite, you know, having the same skin color, uh, there are a lot of differences. Lots of lots of differences. Um, just for example, right, um, where you go to eat for lunch and the kind of food, right? Because um uh, in, in Singapore you probably used to I don't know, um not to say that it wasn't hygienic but more hygienic places to eat uh, and bear in mind that was like um, early 2000s um, that i was um, in in china um, so so there are things that um, you you probably will not eat off uh, a store at by the street right but it's everywhere and uh, yeah so so even culturally just on a day-to-day basis where you go for lunch you know that could be a difference um and um and I want to point this out just before I uh, before I forget. Right, um, it was really tough initially when I was in uh, China working there because uh, there was always one thing in in, in my head, which was that um, I'm considered an expatriate, mm-hmm. so to speak. And uh, we all know that you know in the early two thousands, um, uh, the wages in China probably aren't as high as uh, they are now. So the thing at the back of my head has always been. Um, I probably didn't need to work really hard because, you know, my salary with the same salary, you know, the company can probably pay three or four people to do my job. Mm. And so that thing at the back of my head has, uh, is always there. I, I just can't silence that and, and uh, you know, it kept me pushing hard and hard. And uh, sometimes I would skip lunch and um, because back then I was still single by myself and I just, you know, it wasn't really uh, healthy because I had chips and chocolates in my, In my drawer, and I I take those for lunch sometimes. Um, Yeah, because I I wasn't I couldn't bother to find a a place to eat, and yeah, just just like a lot of work, and I need to like prove myself, prove my worth. So yeah, I'll I'll stop there and let um, John speak to this.
3: (laughs) I I can actually relate to some of that. So (laughs) I well I I think for me, uh, trying to make myself marketable, make myself valuable uh, to this market. I think the first thing that I had to do and I I felt that was important was to listen carefully to the local people and learn. Um, I think that we have a habit in America uh, when we go to any other country or when we talk about ourselves compared to other countries. uh, We tend to want to do everything the American way. Hmm. And, and, And don't take me wrong. I'm very American. I'm very proud to be an American. But...
4: Don't, don't worry was, about it, John, because yeah. uh, you are the right person to say that. It would be yeah. weird if we <laughs> say it, even though <laughs> we know that it's real. Even though that we know that it's real, but you have yeah. the, the, birth, the birthright to say that. So yeah. thank you for saying that.
3: Yeah, it's, it, true. it's true. It's true. And so I, didn't, I, didn't, I wanted to make sure that um, <clears throat> I understood the culture before I got here. And then, of course, continued learning. And I, I'm still learning now. After all these years, I still learn things I didn't know last year or last week. So first, I think number one is um, listening to the local people and watching the local people and seeing how they do things. And then be willing to adapt how I do things to fit that, even when it's uncomfortable, even when I personally don't agree with it the way it's being done. I have to sit back and say, okay, this is not my culture. Um, I'm here to learn. So. Yeah. Before I think before you can teach anything, you have to learn. So so that was that's the first thing I did is I I, um, little things like getting on the train or even buying a ticket for the train was new to me. You know, uh, Kevin can attest to this. You know, uh, I've lived all over the place. Um, I was born in L.A. I've lived in Idaho and Colorado and Texas and England and everywhere. But I Mm. call Springfield, Missouri, my home. And it's, you know, 180,000 people, there's virtually no public transportation, most people have never seen a subway. Right. So I got here and I didn't know how to buy a ticket. I didn't know what I should or shouldn't do on the train. I and of course, because I didn't know I made all the mistakes. So, (laughs) you know, in places like Missouri, you, you, for example, you get up, you pull up to a gas station, right, and someone else is at the pump and you say hi. It's just what we do. So I tried doing that on the subway. And well, we all know that's a big no, no, you don't talk to people on the train, especially strangers. So (laughs) yeah, I'm sure a few times people looked at me like I was crazy or maybe dangerous. Right. (laughs) So that was big. So learning to keep my eyes open.
1: So john uh, So why is it they don't talk? I'm just curious. I don't know. Yeah, Um, yeah, I'm American. <laughs> oh, no. yeah right no, the, the, i, but, I you're referring to uh when you're referring to
4: a circumstance where you're at the train platform right
3: yeah on the subway platform subway train platform in japan yeah. and then on the train itself yeah so they they, yeah. they
4: treat their platforms and the trains like a library i've been there I've, i don't really i i i dare i dare not breathe too heavily to how yeah. really yeah, yeah, you, <laughs> yeah, yeah.
3: You won't, you will not see trash on the floor mm. on the subway platform or on the train here. Uh, it, does, it doesn't happen. Yeah. Right. And I've heard people say that of the three big cities, Nagoya, Tokyo, and Osaka, Nagoya has the bigger problem with those issues, but I, I've never seen it. So, um, yeah, so the reason that they don't speak um, on the train, I think, is. I, th- I think Japan is a much more nonverbal culture,
0: mm.
3: right? and not much more v- nonverbal history than America. Uh, America is a young country, and um, we, because we have so many different cultures and races and a lot of diversity, sometimes if we don't speak, there's going to be miscommunication, right? In the right. U.S., so here people seem to understand each other without the necessity of speaking, mm. right? Yeah. So I'll give you a really good example. And this is still hard for me. Now, if you're on the train, you you, you guys, if you ever come to Japan, this will help you. You get on the train, you're on the subway. It's going to be relatively crowded. Mm -hmm. Um, Even if it's not necessary, people will stand really close to you. Mm -hmm. Uh, right? Even if there's room for three meters or three meters, nine feet between you, um, people will choose to stand next to you because that's what they do. Right. Uh, people always either stand in front of the subway door or they crowd together um, just because that's what they've been taught to do. And if they want to walk past you, like if they're behind you and they want to walk past you, most people will not say anything. So they could, the, the word is sumimasen, which means excuse me. Excuse me. Yes. Yeah. What they'll do is this, this gesture, right? But they're behind you, so I can't see it. but But a lot of people seem to somehow they know that's happening
0: Hmm.
3: and they will just move. So there's something about the culture. There's something about the way the it, you know, when you live in a culture your whole life, you kind of adapt to it, you know, what's, what's expected and what, what happens. So that's what they do. Um, uh, they small talk is not really a thing. Um, if they want to make small talk, uh, in, for for example, with business people, um, it's really, really common to go out drinking. On uh, th- these days, it's not as common, but uh, prior to a year ago, it was very common. Uh, people are so,
2: so, so. You're you're saying that there's a time and place for small talk, not not like by the water cooler, not not you know when you run at a person at the uh, leaf lobby, right? Exactly.
3: That's right. Right. Yeah. There's a time and place for it. It's either the smoke room during work time, during this in this sm- smoke break room, or after work while you're drinking.
2: Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Interesting. <laughs> so try try contrasting that with with China, where, um, like eight people in a lift elevator, and everyone's talking loudly. <laughs> <laughs> I see. <laughs> In the train, yeah, that happens too. Mm. <laughs> you, can, you can know what this guy is talking about. There's, there's nothing to hide. <laughs> it's just talk.
3: Wow. Yeah, <laughs>
2: yeah. I, I prefer
3: Japan, by the way. <laughs>
0: <laughs> just, so you, just so
3: you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, so, the, the people do, there are people every day who speak on the train, right? But generally, as a general rule, uh, they keep it more toned down. Um, so, yeah, I think uh, I, I don't have a concrete answer to that, Kevin. It's Basically, it's just the culture.
1: It's the opposite of Hong Kong. So oh, Hong, Hong Kong, Kong, Kong people too. But we're okay. very loud. <laughs> 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 that, 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 that's a difference because um,
4: I think Hong Kongers do not know that they are being very loud. As yep. if they do not know that they are normal, it's actually very loud. Yep. Well, my because my mom's I... a Cantonese, so so you know I, I, I get that. So I'll just tell her to you know stand slightly further away when you're talking to me, so that the volume <laughs> reaches me. Slows down. Um, but uh, I I have uh, worked in uh, major cities in China as well as uh, I think to- Tokyo for a while. So uh, I think what you describe is very apt, even though you're not describing about Tokyo. Mm. But I know that um, the the peak hour train commute is no joke. But mm. but people are how should I say this? I don't think the right word is reserved. It's it's more like uh, a herd behavior. Mm. So even in a train that is heavily congested, I don't hear anything beyond the, the train passing through the tracks, mm-hmm. the mechanical sounds, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. most of their phones are in silence. Mm-hmm. So if one of the guy, I mean, I'm just using a toy. So if one of the guy's phone is actually on like sound and if he has to pick it up, mm. like you can see from his face that he has to pick it up. Maybe it's his mm. boss or whatever. He does this.
0: Mm.
4: Yeah. He will he, look down. Mm -hmm. And then he'll cover as if he's eating something in the library. As if. And he'll speak very softly. But the thing about speaking very softly in a heavily congested train is that the the people are just next to you. So there's a limit to how much you can speak, right? (laughs) So he he will go. So I think for some people, they feel very embarrassed about it. They actually Hmm. get off the crowded train at the next station Hmm. to, to, to pick up the call. It's, it's, it's something that I've never seen. Mm. Uh, so I was very intrigued by that. I was like, I remember thinking, because uh, the service apartment that I stayed was about six stops away from the uh, office. I remember thinking, I would never pick up a, a, a phone call during my commute. I mm. You have to kill me to get out of the train.
0: Mm.
4: <laughs> because the train is so packed. All yeah. I want to do is to get out of the train at the right stop. I don't want to get mm. out of the train at the interim stop. It's, yeah. it's, but, but it's very quiet, it's very calm uh, It is yeah. in, in a way, from an observational perspective A total opposite from uh, what Jeremy mentioned Which is in China So um, I've worked in, in, in the northern part of China Which is Beijing And, and the southern side, which is Shanghai They're both the same and um, But that's not to say that they are homogenous they're, they're different, but their behaviours in public transport is roughly the same. So if, if you have the fortune to visit China, John, since you're very near there now, I mean, after yeah. COVID, right, mm. take a look at their public transport and you can see various classes, let's trains, right? trains, uh, intercity trains. Mm. Uh, they operate like airlines. So you have first class, uh, you have premium yeah. economy, and you have economy.
0: Mm-hmm.
4: Try to commute in each of these classes, it will feel like you're in a different world. Uh. So the, the, <laughs> yes. the first class is like Japan. It's um. calm, people are well-dressed, You know, they, they, they take care of themselves, they take care of their behavior and decorum. Mm. In the premium economy, the volume spikes up, more people come together and they talk openly and if you go into the economy well you see people carrying directors director chairs sitting around <laughs> and uh, making a market out of the little premium real estate that they have so mm. I'm not saying this in a discriminatory uh, manner or whatsoever because like you said no, it's just what it it's is a cultural respect but um, it is what it is and this is what I see mm-hmm. uh, so, so it can be very interesting and and before I go off I mean like in China, even though they are meant to be an inclusive society, actually, I think Japan is a more inclusive society, but they exclude very easily. Mm. The thing about an inclusive society is that if you are homogenous,
0: mm.
4: you see differences faster and easier. Mm. So uh-huh. when I was in Shanghai, they are very xenophobic mm. towards their own city people. They can tell you're Shanghainese. So, so they get very close to you. But the moment they look at you, they look at your features, ah, you're from Beijing. You know, you're from the, the village from the north. They call people from Beijing a village from the north. Yeah. <laughs> no respect for them. Because Shanghai mm-hmm. is the financial center. They like, say, ah, these people. So, so they, they have a different treatment for people from Shanghai. And when I was working in Shanghai, they treat uh Taiwanese like you know like a lower a lower class and and when it comes to me they'll be like ah that that little alien he's he's definitely not from China <laughs> you know, I was trying very hard to speak oh, Chinese <laughs> and uh, converse with them and things like that but it's it's very interesting like I've never been in a situation where. You know, I can tell you are non-Singaporean or you are like from this place or you're from that place because in a multi-society, uh, multi-racial society, you, you see different things all the time. Mm. So I don't really experience like an extremely inclusive society where I can identify foreign aliens, the way they call it, like foreign aliens very easily. Like, oh, you know, uh, you are a Chinese from China, from Beijing. I can't. Mm. But I can tell that you're from China because of your accent. That's about it. Mm. So it's very interesting. I mean, and, if you, if, you, if you if you get to travel to China, just experience their their train, intercity train. It's a world of a difference. It's a world of a difference. So, I will so always travel first world, uh, first class. <laughs> <laughs> I cannot, I cannot take. The, I cannot take the. It's corollary. too noisy. Yeah, yeah, it's, too it's, noisy. it's, it's
1: killing me. Yeah. So what? So what would you recommend? As um, so I want to hear from John first, and then I I want to hear from you guys. Um because at the end of the day, I came to the US when I was six, right? Mm-hmm. So I in a way I'm I'm an immigrant but I wouldn't say I'm in a foreign market because I grew up here. So mm-hmm. technically it is my market that I'm used to, right? It's mm-hmm. just I look different from the majority. But that's about it, right? But um, I wanna hear, John, that's what would you recommend someone who leaves, right? Their country where they grew up as an older adult to find a job you mm. know what's what what are some of the steps that you recommend to stand out and i know the japanese culture is you know is complete opposite of the u.s culture so yeah. it, it's pretty extreme yeah. so um you know i like what does the interview process look like um mm. how do you prepare yeah. for it i would love to hear that
3: yeah yeah i think um uh, for one thing, so let's, for the dress code, for example, for the interview, Um, if you show up to an interview, especially if you're relatively young or new to the country, if you show up to an interview wearing anything other than a black or dark blue suit, you're probably not going to be taken seriously. So the suit and the color of the suit is important. So, mm. My experience in America: the only time I ever wore a black suit was to a funeral or a wedding. Yeah. All right, but in Japan, that's the standard. Especially if you're new to the market, right? Once you've reached some some uh, seniority and you've got some you know, a reputation here, you can go to another color. But I recommend black or dark blue. Um, ties: if you're going to you're going to be in the interview, you need a tie, and you need something that is not flashy. So blue uh, would be my choice. If you're really confident, maybe red, but nothing else. I had green and pink and all that stuff when I got here. They've all been put in the drawer, hidden somewhere. I don't use them. Um, Same with the shirt. If you're going to go into an interview, the the ideal situation, black suit, uh, white shirt, blue tie. If you have facial hair, get rid of it. If you have, uh, if you've ever had piercings, take them out. If you have tattoos, hide them and don't talk about them. (laughs) So it's really, really conservative in that way, right? Um, uh, But beyond that, um, at least in the English industry, beyond that, um, talking about your experience outside of the industry can really, really help
0: you. Hmm. That's interesting. That's interesting. Yeah.
3: The, the, te- the English teachers whom I've personally seen who have been the most successful and the ones who struggled the most really surprised me at the beginning. Uh, the ones I've seen who struggled the most in the, here, uh, working in the Ekaewa, the, the English school market, are people who studied only English or only teaching. Um, if you come mm-hmm. here with edu- only an education background or only an English teaching background and nothing else, it, it could be difficult. Uh, because what you learned in school and what you'll do here are not the same thing. And most of my clients, now I'm talking about adult clients, most of my adult clients are not here, are not, do not come to me um, to learn, you know, uh, verb tenses. I mean, they, know, they need to know verb tenses, but they don't, they don't care what the names are. Um, what they do need is how to communicate in a business world
1: right? Mm, so if you have business
3: experience, yeah. If you've worked in any other industry, it can be anything, hotels, restaurants, uh, a business. Um, I, I use the fact that I worked in counseling almost daily in, in with my clients. I have clients who come to me because of that work experience. Mm. Yeah. So that's, I think, a really big part. Um, don't, don't, Think that because you're not you didn't come from an English teaching or any teaching background that it's gonna hurt you. In fact, having a different background will help you. Hmm. Yeah.
0: That's good. That
3: that
2: is really interesting because I thought that in Japan they is they are always very big about honing your craft in a single, you know, artisan craft, you know, whatever hmm. you call it. And they do that one thing their whole lives, right? Um yeah, but what you just shared is Probably slightly the opposite. Um, yeah, is that's why I thought it's yeah kind of a interesting perspective for me.
0: Yeah,
3: it, for now that's for foreigners coming into Japan for Japanese. People. Right, right, right. What you described right. Jeremy, is accurate. Yeah.
2: Right, right, right. Okay, okay. The foreigners. Yeah. Okay, yeah, it's, yeah, it applies. Yeah. Okay, got it, right. got it. So okay, that I,
3: makes I, sense. I t- I do teach high school and junior high school English teachers, and who are Japanese, and their mm-hmm. academic experience is very different from mine. Um, mm. They have been in academia their whole life that's what they studied mm. and that's what they will study until they retire mm. So yeah, you're right. It's it's different for local people
0: mm. Mm.
2: I, I like the part you talk about you know color and dressing mm. because um, it's, it's ironic because we're we, we here trying to say that you know how to stand out in your career but you know for for the, the Japanese culture to, you don't want to stand out. You just want to blend in.
3: <laughs> That's right.
2: And, until you stand out to a certain, you know, seniority, but yeah, mm. you, you can be flashy as you want. But before that, no, nothing yeah. of that sort. You, you blend right.
3: in. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, you, they, they, they. It's uh, as it, it, uh, I think, uh, Aldrich. You maybe mentioned that uh, you know the homogeneous culture. Japan is the epitome of homogeneous cultures, mm. right? Yes. Um, I, I joke with my clients. Again, I'm talking about adult clients because I teach kids and adults. But when I'm talking to my adult clients um, and we're talking about making small talk in you know, America or the UK or someplace, I often point out that if they are sitting at Starbucks in Los Angeles and someone looks at them, we have no idea where you're from. right? We, we're going to assume you're from California because you're in California. right? Mm. We don't know until you start speaking. And even then, we're not sure. Um, so it's when you. I always tell them when you're making small talk, it's good to tell people that you're from Japan because that's a talk point. Mm. Um, yeah, but but here in Japan, everyone knows I'm not from here. <laughs> <laughs> everyone <is>. knows.
4: They can tell. It's, it's, it's yeah. um, how, how should we say this? Right, this experience is um, beautifully asymmetric. It's like this. There's everything that you can do and there's everything that I can't do. Mm. Like if if one look you can tell that I'm a foreign alien of sorts and and you know, that's even before I open my mouth or utter my first word, then mm. I'm punctuated, right? Like I'm punctuated by the situation like Yep. Yeah, right, hi. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> um, but but the thing about but but, it's, but there's really Uh, asymmetries when it comes to uh, culture, I mean like uh, I I don't know how things have evolved because the last time I worked in Tokyo, I spent a good um, I think three months, three to four Uh, they have uh, this capability to sieve out um, uh, natural Japanese and American Japanese Mm. So so the closest the closest American Japanese are the first second generation of Japanese is born in let's say Hawaii or or California, and mm-hmm. if they go back to work I will, okay go back not, not exactly go back right, but if they go to Japan for work, they're gonna face a very interesting situation. they will think that they are Japanese, but the Japanese can see <laughs> that you know, you, you are a foreigner that looks like a Japanese and who can speak weird, accented, but relatively fluent Japanese. <laughs> they can still see it. So no matter That's what right. happens, you are still, excru- you are still excluded <laughs> because their societies are so inclusive. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is so amazing that uh, mm. it just it, it blows my mind.
1: I'm like... Yeah and that's something is very um is true right this is something i tell my wife jennifer who's watching the show too you know um i am i am from hong kong but i came to the u.s when i was six so majority of my culture is emerging u.s culture you know that's the and and john knows i'm from springfield missouri (laughs) you know so I mean it's not the most diverse town in the world right so diversity I grew up playing with kids who are Caucasians majority and that's what I know you know and maybe some cows and horses you know (laughs) so when I went back to Hong Kong you know when I was 18 it was a culture shock for me Mm. you know so even with all this stuff going on in the US right now with the Asians and different things, I, I told my wife, I'm foreign in a way in both lands, right? I'm foreign in <laughs> American because the way I look. But deep down, down inside, I'm not very foreign because I understand <laughs> their culture very well. You know, much better than even my own culture, right? But when I go to Hong Kong, they, they can spot me up like 10 miles away this is a foreign guy like the taxi guy (laughs) drove me around and around and then i was like why is my bill so expensive (laughs) and then my mom's like you idiot you know (laughs) do you not know this is the same building that we drove by like eight times (laughs) you know (laughs) and same thing though i went to get a haircut the way i said it you know even though i can speak cantonese fluently they could tell that I was a foreign person. So nice. I got cheated with my haircut, you know? Mm. <laughs> so uh, that's just, you know, uh, the reality, right? And um, it's, it's funny because when we're talking about um, standing out in careers, right? I think when you go to a foreign place, you have to adapt to their culture. Mm. And I think understanding the people And even for myself, you know, even though I grew up in an Asian home, when I went back to Hong Kong, I have to still learn to understand my own culture, you know, uh, and how they are and everything, because, um, I watch a lot of Asian movies and different things. So, um, there, there there's certain things that Asian culture is very different from the East. And a lot of times when you're from the West, you mean uh, from the West, West. I mean, sorry, from the West. (laughs) Uh, But when we go there, you know, it's like John said, we have this mentality that, hey, we're Americans and we want to, you know, push the way we do things, you know, Mm. or think, hey, this is how it is. But Mm. I think when you need a job from another culture, then you need to start adapting. So love to hear from you guys, Jeremy and Eldrick what does it look like for a foreign person to do business in um, Singapore? Right? Because I know like personally, just growing up in the Asian culture, oftentimes like an American might think, Oh, just because like I've gone into business deals with Americans where I travel to different countries and, and, and in my mind, because I grew up still in the Asian culture, I'm like, uh, they they get real excited. Right. Uh, when I was in my engineering job, um, that they think they got the deal because they're really nice to them. And the Asian person's smiling and you know, we're eating out and they're all happy. And I go, no, don't be too excited. I, I don't know if you got the deal guys and they're all celebrating. And then the next day we didn't get the deal at all. Right. And, and, and I'm like teaching them Asians can smile at you, shake hands, be the friendliest person to you. Um, you know, wine and dine you. And it's a no,
2: <laughs> you know, I I guess, I guess if I were to, I guess if I were to rate, um, you know, the situation that you mentioned, right? I think mm-hmm. Singapore. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, right? Uh, John and Aldrich. I think Singapore is most direct and straightforward, right? Uh, that's why you know, there's, there's no like gray areas. Uh, it's the place where a yes is most likely a yes, and a no mm-hmm. is most likely a no. Most direct in terms of um, comparison with China and Japan. Mm-hmm. But for China, um, I guess, uh, if I could generalize, right, um, you need to be careful of what is not said rather than what is said. Okay. Uh, I think it it probably is also the same uh, in Japan, but I think think in Japan, they probably don't even say anything. (laughs) You just have to read. Because it's a very quiet um, culture, so let's go back to you, let's go back to you China can't first. Can't say anything because the moment <laughs> so they phone, you China. can't say anything. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Just, I'll talk about oh, I'll talk about happened. China first before I, I let uh, John talk about Japan and see if you agree. So so I think in China it's really uh they can say yes, yeah. but you need to say you need to listen you need to listen to what they didn't say. Mm. I give you an example. I give you an example. Um, so I have, I have um, um, some senior manager that I work with who I got to know fairly well in my time there. Um, he's Shanghainese and then um, so there was like a, a, he, he was there was like a new rec- new senior person coming into the company and uh, and uh, he was uh, he says that um, he knows this person through another friend and he was just relating that how he asked about this person uh, in terms of character and work. So the way he asked was that uh, when he asked that person was like, oh, what do you think about this guy? And the, the, the friend responded saying that, oh, this person is not bad. So I think, I think generally, people will interpret not bad as okay. Mm. Right? As a Singaporean, not bad, that's well, okay. But actually, what is not said that is, not bad is actually not good.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> so you need to probe further. What I mean by, you need to listen out for what is not said. You need to probe further in terms of, oh, not bad. Um, you know, in what sense not bad? You know, uh, um, do you really mean not bad as in this person is OK? Or am I sensing that um, you know, the bad is more than the not? Right. Mm. So, so just a very uh, simple example, um, what I mean by what is not said. So don't take things at face value. You more often than not need to probe deeper. Because if once you start to take the first answer at face value, that's where you will fail and misinterpret, culturally speaking. So mm. that's from my little experience for, for for China. So maybe, John, you want to talk a little bit about Japan, how business deals are made, and if yes is a yes, and no is a no, or you get nothing?
3: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's, I think, as you said, maybe Singapore is a little more direct than Japan, and Japan... Um, people will uh, like you said Kevin those the people will smile at you and they'll be very friendly and very polite and then maybe when you leave they'll complain to your boss <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> so yeah so they don't I, my experience has been japanese people avoid confrontation at all costs mm. they don't want anything to do with confrontation so they'll if they want to say no they'll just smile at you and they'll just say, Okay, let's talk about it next time. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> next time. <All> right. So <laughs> right? Um, uh, so I think, yeah, you have to probe, you have to ask more questions. And, and I think you have to be patient. Right?
0: Mm.
3: Yeah, I think um, in Japan, I suspect this may be true in other parts of Asia as well. But definitely in Japan, building the relationship is important. Mm. So you, you may not get it. Yes, until you've been doing this for three or four weeks or longer. Because they want to know who you are and if they like you and if you go have a beer with them or not um, those things can influence the the future yes okay mm. i'll give you a, a good example for me that two two answers that i've heard both of which are negative negative. Uh, one is it would be difficult this phrase mm. it would be difficult means no
0: mm.
3: yeah right. there's for some reason from their perspective this uh this idea is not possible but they'll say it would be difficult so my first six months in japan i heard that and yeah. i responded like an american okay well, well let's work hard we'll do it
2: what's, what's the difficulty yeah. Uh, yeah, what's the obstacle it. let's solve yeah. it let's fix yeah. it yeah.
3: <laughs> they're saying no we can't do it stop <laughs> yeah and an uh, example
2: one,
3: the other one that i've i've seen a lot is um again i think to avoid conflict uh, you have to remember here in Japan, people have been taught, it's ingrained in every generation. Teachers and bosses are the top, right? If they're teaching, if they're dealing with a teacher, the teacher's the top. If the boss, if they're dealing with their boss or someone else in leadership, that person yeah. is the top. And they don't want that person to lose face.
0: Mm. Okay? Yeah.
3: So if I ask someone, if I say something that, Maybe it's complicated or difficult. Maybe we're talking about a contract. And I ask, do you understand? This phrase is a big problem. Do you understand? Because they will say yes. Even if they don't understand, they're going to say yes because they don't want me to feel like I've made a mistake in my explanation.
0: Mm. Yeah.
3: Mm. Yeah. So I have to go about getting that answer a different way. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. It's,
0: yeah.
4: It's um, mentally challenging, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yes.
3: <laughs> yes. It's, it's, it's great. I love it. Like I, I said at the beginning of the saying, on Saturdays, I'll teach 16 lessons in a day. And of those 16, I'll probably meet, I'll probably talk to 12 or 13 different people, all of whom are different, right? Uh, different professions, different levels, different of levels of English, different levels of confidence. Um, so it, this is challenging, but it's great because I get to learn from all of these people and, and learn how to to get these answers.
2: Yeah, that's that's the one that's the thing I want to ask because you deal with so many students, right, mm. in so many classes, right. So how do you how do you ask the question? Do you understand without asking the question? Do you understand?
3: <laughs> yeah, yeah. So uh, if, if I'm speaking to a lower, like a lower level, maybe beginner level person. I'll simply ask them to uh, give me an example.
0: Mm.
3: Right, right. That's yeah. good. Or, or, or I will, if it's a little bit higher level, I'll try to elicit a synonym or, or an opinion on the subject so I then can confirm they understand. Mm. Yeah. Hmm, that's interesting.
1: Actually, good. actually yeah. you can utilize it um, anywhere, <laughs> that's mm. like a you know, not that's just right. in Japan. Yeah,
3: you know? yeah, it's, it's a useful skill just in, I think any any industry,
1: yeah, that's yeah. Actually, yeah, any yeah. culture. Yeah. Hmm. yeah. So um, when it comes to let's talk a little about eating, right? Hmm. So what does so in America, right, when you're in the job market, hmm. um, it's not as eating out, they're more it's more casual. Right. Hmm. You know, but in Asian culture, if you're going for a business dinner or a business type, you know, formal, let's say even as an entry level employee with a boss. Mm. Yeah. There are some eticacies, you know, mm. it's not so casual as America where you start talking about, okay, I'm already hired now. Now I'm talking, <laughs> to, eating with my management. You talk about what you did last night, you know, outside of work. It's not like that in Asia. So um, let's hear from you guys, since you guys are living in Asia, uh, love to hear that the different um, cultures, when, Japan, when, you eat with,
2: when you eat with your boss, just don't talk <laughs> mm. <laughs> 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 to, to play safe, right? I mean, no. I mean, I, uh, I would yeah, say
4: you, that uh, <laughs> I just be very careful about what I lament or what I complain. Because
3: it's like a boomerang.
4: It will come back. (laughs) That's right. That's right. I'll still talk, but you know, like like I mentioned, right? There's asymmetries, but you just (laughs) punctuate away all your complaints first. Leave that to your own individual drinking session. (laughs) The one with your boss you better just ho 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 hold it slightly. But anyway I digress. Go ahead, Jeremy. (laughs)
2: No, I think I think most most of us most of us in Asia uh, don't like to Go out on business dinners or lunch with bosses,
0: mm.
2: you know, or senior management, because it's just so mm. pressurizing, right? We just want to be like, you know, just let us do our thing, right? So sometimes, I mean, at least for for my for my experience, sometimes it's like, uh, you let's say for example, you do a uh, an event, right, and then the one day, two day, three day event, it goes on beautifully, and the boss say, yeah, let's go and celebrate tonight, but actually, you just want to rest. Mm. <laughs> you know, because because business dinner and and business lunch um it takes a lot out of at least for me it takes mm. a lot of me mentally because you need to be conscious to filter what you should say what you should not say yeah. and it gets even complicated when you are sort of middle management and you have on the top bosses at the at the lunch or dinner and you also have your subordinates mm. that's where it gets even more complicated mm. so it's 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 actually not a reward if you have like a business dinner to celebrate. It's, it's more work actually. Mm. The real reward will be okay. Let's go. No 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 dinner. Just go ahead and rest. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So it's yeah it's pretty 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 stressful. Yeah, this kind of um occasions for me even even for me now right. It's it's still yeah, kind of mm. a stressful situation. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what do you think, Audrey? <laughs>
4: Uh I think I think for me I uh, I'll just say in a general circumstance. So um I will conduct myself rather differently based on the group size. So if it's a one to one with my boss, I'm I'm more relaxed. I mean it's 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 weird, but I'm I'm more relaxed because then I know that whatever that he's saying is to me. Right. The, the 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 issue, the issue when you're out with a group is that when your boss is saying something. It can be for all of us. It can be for <laughs> some of us, but it is not mentioned specifically to that person. And then the mind games will start, right? Like, oh, what is he referring to like yeah, mind games. What yes. Talking about right. And then and then, I'll I'll retract slightly. But so, so I enjoy one to one a lot more. Uh, so, like, coffee session, tea sessions, I mean, like... And I like to disarm disarm, right at the very beginning just just to say, like, you know, like, uh, Puno Punches, if there's anything that you want to tell me pertaining to, you know, my, my performance for the past two weeks and whatsoever, you know, just get it out. I, I just want to let you know that I can take it. So don't worry. So so to just get it out.
1: Is, is that but why, Eldrick, you work for yourself? <laughs> I have my... <laughs> Have my personality uh, issues, I, think. Uh, I Which is
4: which is they they, they all let uh, it out. <laughs> yeah, I
1: mean, like, um,
4: uh, there are many there are many good bosses that I have worked with. They they all tell me the same thing that it's it's amazing they are born in Asia. Because you you just have the exterior of an Asian, but the way you think you are so so a a a Brit said this. A Brit said this. That is very interesting that you are born an Asian because the way you think is so confrontational to a fault that I I can't (laughs) imagine that you are a Singaporean. And I'm like, so am I supposed to be very reserved or am I supposed to go the other way and just be a colonialist or a terrorist? You're you're wondering, you're wondering.
2: (laughs) I think you're wondering if that's a compliment or not.
4: <laughs> no, no, I I, know that I know that it was a description of uh, a phenomenon about myself. Uh, in, in that sense, I'm... Very, so, John, I, I can be very honest with you. In that sense, I'm very fortunate that I'm born in Singapore, where mm. there's still this level of um, acceptance, so to speak. I, I can still survive. It's not an mm. issue. <laughs> um, when I work in uh, Japan, I think that three to four months is... That's it. <laughs> that's that's my patience. And uh, it's it's a nice place. Don't get me wrong. Mm, it's a nice mm-hmm. place, but. Uh, but that will, know, right?
2: or, that will be difficult. That will be difficult.
4: Like warm springs. <laughs> yeah, that's not too bad. To say that, look there. Yeah. And, that will be uh, difficult. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. And, <laughs> and right, even when I was in Hong Kong, um, every, everywhere, everywhere is so different. That is interesting. So in in Hong Kong, I can I can be my character can can remain, but I need to be sensitive on different things. I need mm. to be very sensitive on different things. It's like the 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 oh anyway, YouTube is not going to stream in China, so I'm not worried about that. <laughs> so um, uh, the political sensitivity in Hong Kong has trickled mm. down all the way to the grassroots. Mm. So. When I was working in Hong Kong for eight months in 2016 and, and okay. So I look Asian, but because I'm dark, I have to make sure my very first conversation, the first word that gets out of my mouth is the correct one. Mm -hmm. If not, I'm going to be regarded as a Southern Chinese. And the repercussions <laughs> down the line in terms of customer experience is going to be utterly terrible. And mm. I, I don't mean buying luxury products. I mean going to a cafeteria ordering rice to eat.
0: <laughs> so
4: there was, I, I learned it the hard way. Like, um, when I couldn't pronounce the thing that I want to eat in Cantonese, I, I, I thought it would be goodwill to communicate it in Chinese because they can understand. No. Oh, that was a wrong. very that that's wrong. Because the <laughs> Mistake, moment yeah. they see that I'm dark skin and I start speaking mm. Chinese, they throw the rice in front of me. I was like, oh, wow. "Why are you doing this?" Mm. So, so after a couple of incidents, uh, I learned that if I can't pronounce it in Cantonese,
2: say it in English, the first
4: thing that's gonna come out of my mouth is English.
0: <laughs> yes. uh, I want
4: this. I want this. Yes. And then uh. they will be like, oh, "Ah,
0: yeah.
4: are you from Singapore or Malaysia?" Or ah, yes. Malaysia. I'm from, yeah. Singapore. I'm from Singapore. Yeah. Uh yeah yep. this i want this so so, i'm like okay you know you, you learn your survival skills but these are not like the the law of the jungle kind of survival skills this um this is more like the the cultural bearings right you you don't do things that people are sensitive with just 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 don't do that i mean like i'm sure if we go uh Where's that island with the American naval base in Japan. I don't know, but uh, there, there was a period. In, yeah, yeah. There was a period in time where there's a lot of um, there's a lot of news and scandals about soldiers and then raping mm-hmm. the the local uh, I think young girls or teens and something like that. So if if it's if it's me and if I happen to be American and I'm going to Okinawa and things like that, I'll be very sensitive to that. I mean, like you know, don't don't say such things. And and it's very interesting to me that not everyone thinks like that. <laughs> I used to have a French colleague. She just says it.
0: Hmm.
4: She doesn't give a sh- she doesn't give a shoot. So when she visited um, <laughs> Vietnam, because Vietnam used to be a French colony, oh. right? yep. they didn't have a very good view of their colonial masters, the ex-colonial masters. So when she went there, she didn't know that they were they were picking on her nationality and not her. Hmm. She just continued to do the same thing. You know, she unbuttoned the first button. She wore shorts. Walked around with total disregard uh, in terms of the street culture and things like that. And I'm like, Wow. I'm impressed. I would have done that. But anyway, that's that's just a side story. It's, it's very interesting. Very, very interesting.
1: So John, what's it like when it comes to Japan? regards so, to eating with your boss or hmm. yep
3: I, I, my, my experience has probably been a little bit different because again i'm a teacher so as i said earlier in, in many cases the students will treat me as the senior person hmm. Hmm. so i'll give you both the what i personally have experienced and what i've been told by my clients of their experiences so the, <clears throat> the clients um so I've, I teach a lot of people. So some of my clients are executives, CEOs, you know, founders, and a lot of them are you know lower level positions in the company. The clients who are in the lower levels have always said to me that when they go out drinking, it's almost obligatory. They can say no, but it's not recommended. This is this has changed over the last five years, probably, but fourteen years ago was definitely if you were invited by your boss to go you say yes. Mm. If you have a family event on mm. the same day, you cancel the family event and you go drinking and eating with your boss.
2: And the um, family is got to be okay with that, right?
3: <laughs> well, they, that's, they're that's part of the culture too, right? So yeah. they knew. <clears throat> but that, that, was, that was 14 years ago. Now I think it's starting to change. Uh, more young people are more becoming more comfortable saying, no, I, I have a family thing tonight. I can't do that. But if you do go drinking or eating with your boss and you're the subordinate, the standard rule of thumb is um, the boss is going to sit the furthest away from the serving staff. Okay. They're going to sit the furthest away from the group. Right. So wherever the door is, the younger or subordinate person is going to sit closer to the door, especially if their back is to the door. Um, That's going to be the person who's going to talk to the service staff Mm. later away. Right. Mm. And then they're going to be the one that's going to distribute the beers and the edamame and all that stuff. Mm. As soon as the boss's drink is half, empty, the younger person is going to refill that beer, hmm. right? If there's several subordinates, they'll take turns, like eagerly take turns hmm. refilling the boss's drink because they want him to see them doing this. And I'm saying hmm. him, because this is Japan, almost always the yep. boss is a man,
0: right? Hmm.
3: So that's that's an important part of going out with your boss. If you're in, in a especially very subordinate role as hmm. a, from my position, since I was considered um in the senior position as a teacher um i have that's uncomfortable for me i I don't want someone filling my beer every time (laughs) i am a pretty light drinker. right one beer is enough and i had to learn how to stop them from filling my drink and i I was actually taught this by an executive because he was also a light drinker and he said the trick is you pick up the beer and you pretend that you're drinking but you leave it full (laughs) <laughs> right? So they don't refill it, right? Then it, everyone's happy. They know you're doing that and you know you're doing <laughs> it, but it's okay. <laughs> right? So just, just just do that and you don't have to drink too much. Um, mm-hmm. I, I've had um, experiences as, again, being in what might be considered the senior position with business clients inviting me to, um, you guys know the word kabakura or like a oh, hostess no. bar? Hostess oh. bar. All right. It's a, it's foreign to America, but a hostess bar is a, basically a place where business people, businessmen usually go and they uh, drink sitting next to a pretty girl. But in most cases, from my understanding, there's no physical contact. Okay? It's mm-hmm. just talking. And mm-hmm. she's basically a very pretty listener. <laughs> and it's very expensive.
1: Al right. opinion... that's for you listener they just
3: <laughs> listen <laughs> Take, I'll send you some information if you want to know <laughs> but I personally have never been to one I've had to I have had to turn down these invitations several times and I've noticed that when I turn down someone especially if I turn the same person down twice uh, of their invitation to go to Kabakura or hostess bar they are visibly hurt. their their feelings are because i've said no i don't want to go to that place um because although my wife is japanese she will not be as as understanding as your wife right
0: so
4: (laughs) john john is 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 your wife um a, a a japanese japanese or is she an american japanese like what
3: Oh, that's a good question. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry I didn't mention that earlier. Uh, no, she's Japanese-Japanese. She was born and raised here. She uh, went to the uni- uh, university in America, but then shortly after that, we came back to Japan. Yeah. So in, in some regards, she's very Americanized. She's, she lives with me, so you know, she's had to adapt, <laughs> right? But, um, of course, she she really gets the Japanese side of things, so she can teach me some things. But I think because of, I guess, being Americanized, um, maybe her feelings about things like Kabakura, hostess bars, are she she vocalizes those feelings. Yeah. She 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 would tell me, "I don't want you to do that. That's not cool." But I think a lot of Japanese wives, in a traditional sense, especially older wives, uh, would either if they didn't like it, they wouldn't say anything, or they would. Or they would actively support their husband in going to those places
0: Mm. because Mm. it's
3: a business decision.
1: So, Mm. how?
2: Nothing personal.
3: Yeah. So,
1: John, how does your kids, um, because they do have the US culture, how? This is just, you know, for me, um, I'm kind of interested. How do they um, balance the culture between US and Japan?
3: Yeah. um, It's, that's a great question. Um, I think when they're at school, and when they're when they're with their friends, they probably think of themselves as Japanese um, exclusively. But they are probably also aware that their friends can see and know that they're also American. So that's just part of their daily thing. Um, it 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 probably comes up more when they're in English class, <laughs> right? So they they have to take English class at school, and there are times when my son, who is 13, so he's in seventh, seventh grade. Next, next month, he'll go into eighth grade. Um, he'll come home from school and he'll say, hey, dad, uh, my English teacher, my Japanese English teacher said this today. Is it correct? And I say, no. And he'll say, oh, yeah, I thought so. <laughs> <laughs> so he, he knows when the teacher is saying something that's not true or not correct, not, not, not um, false, but inaccurate, right? The teacher right. just uses the wrong grammar, or wrong vocab- vocabulary or something. But uh, my son knows that. But the Japanese side of him has enough respect for his teacher that he shows nothing to the teacher. Yep. He's thinking, "Uh, that's wrong. But his face says, okay, you're the teacher, I'm listening. Mm. Yeah, that's
1: good. Yeah, yeah.
3: yeah. So he, he does, from time to time, especially my son, does tell me he really wants to live the American style, meaning, you know, big land. He's got friends back home that are, you know, bass fishing this weekend, right? So, he wants to do that. <laughs> yeah.
1: Is there even fishing in Japan? Like, I mean, I understand there's oceans oh, there's... and stuff. But yeah. is it popular to go fishing in Japan or?
3: Yeah, it's, it's yes, definitely. Uh, I have clients who, you know, go to the ocean to fish on a regular basis. Some of them are river fishers, fishermen, like uh, uh, trout, just like back home. Um, lake fishing is different than back home you know springfield people catch a catfish and they eat it here people don't generally eat uh lake fish yep so it's catch and release yeah yep. Mm. Yep.
1: so this is kind of a fun question so i just want to throw this out there uh when you go out with your boss right in the asian culture okay and then in the east is a little different right uh it's a tree you know when your boss takes you out you feel like hey i can order whatever i want and typically i i don't know like my staff members i think they tend to order the most expensive thing on the menu <laughs> that, and if they're watching the show that's what i i know <laughs> maybe it's not true you know and it's okay you know they they deserve it it's okay so but how's that in asia
2: funny you should say this because i did have an experience um in my previous company so the 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 boss is french right so uh, he, he took the team uh really these are uh, his direct reports uh to to c'est la vie which is on top of the uh marina bay that that spaceship in the sky thing one of the most exclusive most expensive places to eat so obviously um people like myself um more junior not the top sales guy or anything like that not the top sales country manager we we, we know what's reasonable right so we order somewhere in the middle or maybe on the cheaper side mm-hmm. and obviously uh my, my 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 boss being french he will order the wine and stuff right so that's that's up to him right he knows what to do and what not to do however i did have so well okay just for context when i say on the cheaper side of things you know that restaurant I remember it was like sixty, seventy dollars, Singapore dollars, right? Uh, for the meal, right? But I did have two, um, Asian leaders, sales leaders. Um, of course they are good at what they do, and uh, they bring a lot of revenue. One of them do at least, uh, bring a lot of revenue. <laughs> ordered, quite possibly the most expensive thing, on the menu, uh, wagyu beef, mm. which went for I think about five hundred Singapore dollars. That's more than five times what I ordered. Wow. Two of them, and, uh, <laughs> and uh, yeah, that was like their, their treat and reward, right? But mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I guess my 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 boss, being French, I think he was cool and okay with it, since he brought us there, he, you know. And uh, but you know, for the rest of us, we were just mm-hmm. wondering: is this out of revenge, or <laughs> <laughs> or really do they think they deserve? You know. So you have that reservation in mind, it's like well, why why can't they? You know why can't they just not do that? You know.
0: Mm.
2: So so what i'm trying to say is that if you do that it, it leaves a lot of uh, undesirable impressions in in other people around mm-hmm. so i think my advice really is to avoid that i mean if it's if it's uh, slightly more expensive yeah probably fine but like this is really way out of range in, in my opinion right mm-hmm. uh, uh, as a treat and uh yeah so i just wanted to share that little experience i had yeah. <laughs> It's still it's still fresh in my head, you know, to this day, which is like five six years ago. So we'll just imagine
0: <laughs>
1: mm,
2: the impression good. it
3: made.
0: Yeah.
1: About you, John. Love to hear your experiences.
3: Um. Yeah. Here in Japan, the, the usually the senior person pays for everything. Um, fifteen year fourteen years ago is usually probably the company paying for everything, and now it's that's changed a bit. So I. Yeah, I'm. I, I my feeling is very similar to Jeremy. I if I was always the guest in that case, so I made sure to order something, you know, on the cheaper end, and I've I've actively avoided being the senior person in the room. because I don't want to pay for everybody else's <laughs> meal. <laughs> <laughs> <Sorry>. yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's tough because I'm I'm actually I'm older than most of my colleagues, uh, my my uh, foreign colleagues so it's it if i go drinking with my foreign colleagues which i don't very often but if i do that they everybody takes care of their own bill right generally yeah. speaking right mm-hmm. but if i were to do that with my japanese colleagues i i would be nervous because they're <laughs> me to pay for it so <laughs> yeah so I, I just stay away from that situation
4: <laughs> but but with age comes responsibility in japan isn't
3: it yes that's right that's right <laughs> yeah so, age so co- it
4: doesn't it doesn't pay to hang around the younger crew for some reason right. I, I just think that, <laughs> i just think that the repercussions of that practice is not a, a very a very good one to begin with yeah
3: <laughs> yeah i can imagine lots of uh dinners with your subordinates as a as a japanese manager leads to a Poultry retirement
0: mm.
3: <laughs> oh. that's a joke <laughs> i can uh, imagine yeah. it could be yeah challenging <laughs> yeah, yeah. no
1: no mm. so before we end the night since we are on a social media platform and um so i want to dive into this topic really quick is what is social media like where you guys are, right? Where, where you are in America, of course, um, we're dominated by the social media culture. Um, people kind of speak their mind. You can see it on these professional LinkedIn, supposed to be the professional platform, and you can you'll realize the content is evolving, is changing and it's becoming a professional Facebook slash Instagram. You know, things are just changing and it mm. is so ingrained in American's life, in American's lives, right? Every day, no matter if, uh, job hunting, you hear about personal branding. It's almost, if you're not on social media, you're irrelevant
4: mm-hmm. in the
1: job market. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In order to have relevance, you have to have some kind of presence, you know, and job hunters and even HR, they look for that in the American culture but what is it like in japan even in um you know south asia singapore
3: um in japan to answer your question um most of my clients and even some of my colleagues have never used linkedin i personally introduce them to linkedin because i use it so often to promote my own upcoming company um i think the um, Facebook is of course very popular here. YouTube is number one, of course. Uh, but one that surprises me is maybe, I don't know if you've heard of this or not, but Line. Line, yeah. Line yeah. is particularly
2: ah. popular in Japan, I think Taiwan and so for some reason,
3: mm. yeah? Yeah, so uh, when I, uh, maybe several years ago, I, I, I started my WhatsApp, uh, started using WhatsApp, and it, in, in a month I realized it was totally irrelevant. Here in japan yeah. nobody uses that so i switched to line and then i realized line is um not just sending messages but it's also a marketing tool so um so line is super important um instagram is a growing thing here i think um, almost all of the self-promoting business people that i know especially small business people that i know i uh, use instagram probably daily mm-hmm.
2: Mm. sounds about right i uh, i think for i think what singapore is somewhere in the middle between japan and uh in the states um just because i'm using it a lot more and by the way i only started using a lot more uh linkedin i guess what three years back um i'm i think um a lot of people are still not on it i feel especially on linkedin right um but for the rest um like youtube instagram i think are more yeah, it's the, the use case for Instagram is probably like what John mentioned and more of the influencer kind of um, uh, 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 people who would want to carve a career out of being an influencer, uh, mm-hmm. YouTube as well. But I do think that large majority uh, of um, social media users in, in Singapore would be very passive ones. They just read and um, don't do anything about it. They don't create. Not that many people create content. And, uh, yeah, they probably don't engage very much. So really just very passive, consuming the uh, social media, I feel. Um, mm-hmm. Apart from that, yeah, Facebook is probably more for a social aspect, connecting people, especially mm-hmm. people of my generation, right, <clears throat> who went through uh, having friends on phone books and now keeping in touch with friends on on, on Facebook instead of writing uh, pen pal letters. Mm-hmm. So... Uh, I guess it's somewhere in the middle, not so much extreme towards the uh, US and probably also not so extreme towards where Japan is, which is probably more reserved, mm. yeah. consistent to the culture. Audrey, you, you is that a fair assessment or you have a different take on that?
4: I think so. I think <laughs> so. We're still, we're, still quite, um, we're still quite big on the paper, resume, curriculum VATI kind of a culture. Um, I think I think recruiters and recruitment agencies they still, they do try to find out about you a little more. They do if time is on their side, but if they don't, they'll fall back to the old craft. And um, I'm not. I'm, how should I say this? Like times have changed, but it's evolving. It's not like we are abandoning what we already know, and we are going full force on, uh, digital mining Hmm. to find out what this person has done on YouTube or LinkedIn or Facebook, uh, probably Mm -hmm. not, but, um, the, the thing that I can, the, the thing that is for sure, the thing that's for sure is that, um, if you were to create and post content that can be politically sensitive, you will be found out
0: Hmm.
4: that I'm sure. And uh, I mean, like you do have your freedom of expression. You can say whatever you want. But I think in Asia, there's a tangible price that can be paid. Mm-hmm. So you, you, you might want to be a little bit more eloquent in framing your argument before mm-hmm. you actually uh, throw hate statements into social media.
0: Mm-hmm. The way uh,
4: the Western counterparts have been doing, uh, it won't fly here. And, and it's not that we do not understand freedom of expression or free speech. We do, mm-hmm. but, but it, is, it is to us, it's, it's, it's both ways. So uh, you can't talk about freedom without responsibility. And we mm-hmm. see that part. We see the responsibility part. So, so I guess, John, you can see that in the society that's homogenous, they take yeah. care of themselves and they take care mm-hmm. of the group. So mm-hmm. the social ethic is a, a very broad one. So yeah. they see they see that part, does it yeah. stop them from expressing themselves freely? Mm-hmm. Uh, no, they have their own opinions, but they choose when they voice it so yeah. i think I think that's like the epitome of how like Asians do carry ourselves mm-hmm. uh yeah, so I think even for job hunting that's that's usually the case, and for yeah. social media
1: so do you guys see? Asia adapting more towards the digital movement like it is in the west or from a cultural perspective it can be a little challenging that um it'll be harder for them to buy in the way the America does. Mm. What are your thoughts on that?
4: In do you have a context, Kevin?
1: Yeah, so where yeah. do you see a, a social media and digital do you see in Asia it will be similar to us five years from now or five to six years from now or do you feel it's just more behind or do you feel because of the culture it'll never get to the part where get to the point where it is like the us
2: well it depends on depends on what you are looking and talking about right uh give you an example of course uh the the example that's most close to me is china and if you want to talk about things like, you know, retail, uh, certain trends like live streaming selling. Yes, it's been around a long time in, in in US. I know because my wife used to buy from some live streamers in the US. But look at China now, everything is live stream, right? Mm. And I think there was a recent report just about a month ago or so. Uh, I think it was by eMarketeer. Uh, in terms of retail sales, China is the first country that has majority of the retail sales from e-commerce i think it's 52 percent or something like that Mm. which is crazy right if you think about it so i think in certain parts of um, asia um social media is ahead um just because uh you know everyone so rely on their mobile phones um especially in countries like um uh china uh, india probably indonesia you know some of these countries singapore just for example singapore everyone carries two phones some even three phones Mm. so (laughs) so those those aspects i think are. uh, it, it it varies. It varies. I think it'd be fair to say that for most of the um, uh, uh, big metropolitan cities, uh, huge cities in Asia, uh, it could be uh, maybe slightly behind US in terms of adoption or, or the usage. Um, but do we bear in mind that a uh, large part of Asia is still not that forward in terms of um, technology infrastructure and uh, you know access to internet or access to fast high speed internet. And uh, it's it's probably more uh, adopted on mobile phones than anything else. Mm.
1: So so for me, it's more in the context with I agree, like, even when I went to like Taiwan, I noticed, you know, uh, all the transactions is on the phone, right? Mm -hmm. When I pay to eat a bowl of noodles or, you know, Mm. at the airport, everything is on my phone, right? And Mm -hmm. you have to download WhatsApp or WeChat in order to even pay for my meal. They didn't even Mm -hmm. want my cash. So (laughs) um, so in regards to commerce, I do think Asia might be even more ahead than the U S right. But Mm -hmm. what I meant was building, I hate to use the word personal brand, right? Because it's so overused. It's like, what does that mean? Personal brand? You know, everyone talks about it in the U S do you see like people expressing the way they do? Um, I mean, in the Western culture is very expressive. People sharing their feelings, politics, um, no. uh, and even, um, regards to like a place for headhunters and really stand out in your job market. Mm.
4: Do you think no. it'll
1: ever be relevant?
2: No, not here. Um, yeah, at least as no, I, uh, I, feel
1: my,
4: my rarely. objection is not about the location. My objection is more about like time. I think it's not now. Mm. Um, but are we going to get there? in terms of where the U.S. or even Western Europe is today, I have my doubts um, hmm. because it, it's, it's, it's very different um, in a way that... So, so first, let's have the humility to... Uh, let's embrace some humility that uh, there are vast differences that's going around in the same little planet that we stay in and that for every first world country that is chiming about climate change, there are third world countries where people are living below two USD per day Mm -hmm. for a household. So Mm -hmm. to those families, if they are young, were to get onto social media, and of course I'm extrapolating, but I don't think I'm too far off. If they are young, get a phone, which is sponsored by their family, because their family wants them to have a better future and a better life. They might borrow from their neighbors just to buy the phone for the kids. And if the kids go into social media and social media is about climate change, you stop this, you stop this, you stop this. I'm very certain that kid is not going to interact with those kind of posts. Neither do they want to be an influencer of those sorts. If I'm only living with two USD per day, please don't tell me about saving the world, keeping the water clean, having this and that because I might not have clean water. I might not have food. My dad might not have a job. I want opportunities and I need to study. So mm, are we going to see like us adopting and being like behind US and Western Europe today? I think let's just accept that the world is diverse and mm. uh, we have different sets of problems. So that's one. Yeah. And then uh, the way I think about it, uh, not everyone is expressive to. So not everyone is that individualistic in this part of the world and uh, even in Africa some of my friends that's there they, they are not that individualistic they don't really think about um, you know this is what I feel I'm telling you uh, this is my rep uh, this is my personal branding I'm gonna do this and I'm gonna do this and I'm gonna do this you know there's a lot they are more likely to be faced with their inner circle telling them that hey if you really want to do this, be accountable to what you do. Make sure that you achieve it, mm. and then show the world that you have done it. Not tell the world that you are going to do it. Mm. So, mm, so good. it's it's it's. I don't know. I don't know how to articulate this. It's actually within the same spectrum, but we, we are sitting on different ends, right? So tell people that you have done it instead of telling people that you are going to do it. You know. So I I guess that's that's how I think about it. Uh, even my mentees, it's the same
1: looks good john love to hear from um your perspective as well being in yeah japan i think
3: and- i i think japan is in some ways uh similar to what you guys are saying but uh japan is also a rich country right so um i think the, the people that i see who are using social network are like what you were saying jeremy they're passive consumers in most cases, many of them don't even own a computer. They're only using a smartphone, so they're not inputting anything, unless it's a photograph or an emoji, right? Um, the insta, the the Instagrammers or the influencers that I personally know and teach, um, I'll give you an example. One of the, the most more successful Instagrammers that I know, her her channel, her page is about fitness. She's a trainer, and she's very good at it, and she's successful but 50% of her posts are her eating at a restaurant. <laughs> 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 so
0: that's funny.
3: Yeah, so that but because that's what works here. People want to see that taking a picture of what you're eating and expressing how oishi it is is important. <laughs> so um, yeah, I don't I don't see at least in the time that I'm I have left in Japan. I don't see it changing um uh, drastically yeah. mm-hmm.
2: that's right uh,
1: th- these are great perspectives and it really kind of goes along with the entire bottoms up perspective right mm-hmm. uh, in order to look at things I think you have to look at the world as a different perspective there's no right way or wrong way and I see it so many times even in marketing um, you go through these I'm a marketer, so I, I read through all these posts and on LinkedIn, and I understand majority of these people are working with Americans, but it's not very global centric. Mm. Uh, the, the marketing thoughts and ideas and concepts, it works in the US. Mm. But then I hear people start telling someone in Asia, I see them commenting, and I was like, it's not even relevant in that part of the world right now. So how can you tell them to use it, you Mm -hmm. know? Uh, And I see that a lot. Like example, I I use in the past, right? Uh, I was in Cambodia and in Cambodia, uh, Facebook is very dominant. Uh, That is their daily livelihood. It's more important than a website, right? Mm -hmm. That's how Mm -hmm. these people are doing business. That's how their little shop, uh, they make money for their children. So to say, oh, Facebook is now irrelevant. I hear that with American marketers a lot, Mm -hmm. even in meetings. Oh, it's irrelevant. Facebook's going away. It's just dying. You got to jump into TikTok or Clubhouse or all these other things. Mm -hmm. But you're only talking about what the share that Facebook has in America.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Facebook's in Vietnam facebook's in cambodia facebook's in singapore most of my asian connections in hong kong are on facebook mm-hmm. i'm on there because my family's on there if i want to connect with asia they want to look at my picture they're on facebook mm. and instagram so it's still very relevant out in those parts of the world and i'm sure facebook makes money in those part of the world too mm. so so we have to look when you talk about like culture and standing out in your career uh, i think you uh, is important to just have more perspective of the world and i think when we have broadened our horizons just like john and I myself right uh, if we were just stuck in this springfield mentality and don't connect with people outside of springfield uh, you really don't know what the world is like
0: mm-hmm.
1: and and it helps when you understand other culture it kind of resolves the whole uh, the prejudice or racism and different things it's just understanding how other people live and it's okay if they live that way because mm. it works for that culture right and oftentimes i think we miss that because we want to we assume that is a better world where we are
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, and and i even it opened up my mind, right? My brother-in-law's from mainland China, you know, and um, him and I talk and everyone makes it like, oh, the Chinese government is so horrible. But in his mind, he, he he's fine, you know, growing up there. He, he says no different for him growing up than he was in America, mm. you know? So it's a great perspective to look at things. Mm -hmm. You know, and, um, regardless of politics and setting all those things aside, you know, because, you know, government has agendas and it's just like business has agendas, but Mm -hmm. regards to the people, people are people. There's good human beings everywhere, Mm -hmm. you know, and it's important just having that perspective. And that's why we do what we do. And I think Eldrick Jeremy can attest to this, um, that's why we, we like to have people from different parts of the world and we learn, you know, bottoms up, it's all about learning and it's not learning from people with 30,000 followers or people who are multimillionaires. You can learn from everyone. I can learn from the guy that sells candy in Cambodia. I can learn, you know, from a little kid, you know, uh, which I learn from my son all the time, you know. <laughs> so. Um, <laughs> You know' it's, it's just a great way, you know, to just open up your mind and that's why I want to challenge everyone tonight that's on here. Um, you know so <laughs>
3: yeah, 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 absolutely. yeah, I think it's I think it's great what you guys are doing, uh, Kevin, Jeremy Aldrich, because it exactly what you're saying, Kevin, this is there's chance for people who do not live in Asia maybe if they've never been to Asia, to get a little bit different perspective and maybe a more realistic perspective on what the world's really like. Um, I, I tell people all the time, Japan is just as free as America. Mm. Um, even in Japan, I have clients who think that America is, you know, uh, it's America is different and free in different ways than, than Japan, but the level of freedom is the same. Mm. I, I have I'm much more free. My wife is much more free to walk around at midnight here than she is in any town in America. Hmm. This
4: this is very well said, John. This is That's very well good. said. Yeah. Because um, I mean, just just a slight hijack. So, uh, in in appreciation to what you just said, because um, I think I think that the 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 Western ideological expression of freedom is hmm. about like speech and behaviors. Whereas, um, that, that ideological expression in Asia is more at the interaction level. So like even in Singapore where Jeremy and I am, uh, there is freedom to roam around the streets at midnight without mm. having to worry excessively mm. about security concerns. And I think that is a form of freedom that is, mm. that I treasure a lot. I mean, mm. yes. There are certain things that you you should be sensitive of you shouldn't say because there'll be repercussions but you enjoy the good parts of that too right i mean like if i come back from work or if my wife comes back from work at midnight i, I don't have to worry i don't have to wait at the road junction or, or things like that it's mm. a form of liberty too and i think mm. that should not be taken for granted Neither should that be underappreciated? I mean, it's, it's mm. just my point. Uh, that's a very good point you brought up, John. Thank you for that. Mm.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Mm.
1: No, this is great. And I think the key is wherever you're at, right? No matter what part of the world is to focus on the positives. Mm. There's so much, there's beauty in every culture. You know, I haven't met one person from a different culture that I don't find beauty in. Mm is when we can't accept the differences, that's when we have the problem. And when we talk about, hey, going into another culture with your career, it's being able to respect that other culture and being able to be accepting and understanding their culture so that you can be a part of it. Even myself, you know, I grew up in the US, but my parents are very much Asians. So when I go home, that's what they speak, that's how they think, uh, that's how we eat. I had to go to school and embrace the American culture and start being okay with it. And even my parents, they they have their own way of um, prejudice as well. You know, the way they look at an American person and even within an Asian person. So it goes both ways, right? When people talk about prejudice, it goes both ways, but you have to start learning. And I start embracing the beauty and, hey, American kids, me looking different and it's okay, but I see beauty in both. And as I got older, I started getting more in touch with my Asian roots and meeting people like Eldrick and Jeremy and seeing the beauty in every culture. You know, you can learn, take the good from everything, Mm -hmm. right? And not focus so much on the negativity. Because that's actually a very small percentage of the world. Right? Mm-hmm. Majority, there are more positive people than there are negative or the bad bad Cs.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So with that, um, we go end tonight's episode. And I want to thank John so much. Can you tell our audience about your um, business you're launching? And um, tell them how they can follow you.
3: Oh thank you. Uh, well um, it the name is dojolanguages.com. Um The website will actually be will launch in about three days. Uh, cool. What we're doing is offering online language uh, classes, lessons. Uh, currently we're, we'll, we'll be offering English, uh, Spanish, Portuguese, uh, Italian, and in the near future Chinese um, that's in all over the world. Uh, right now, we're focusing primarily on Japan, but we're also going to be teaching uh, AP students in America, uh, advanced placement high school students learning languages and Latin America. We've got a uh, representative in Argentina that's going to help us there. We've got some exciting things. We're, we're looking at doing a, a homestay um, program on a private island in the Philippines. Mm. Uh, this is something that, Kevin, uh, you know about a little bit. And I've uh i'm also in the process of launching my podcast so uh the title of that is conversations with awesome people so hope it'll be similar to this one (laughs) (laughs) yeah so uh, as all those things uh start to come together in the next few days and few weeks i'll i'll give you guys the the links to all that stuff okay
1: yeah so everyone that's watching the show tonight Make sure you go follow John Wilcutt on LinkedIn. I think that's where you're the most active. That's and right. um, and at the same time, we want to thank StreamYard tonight, um, being able to help us with um, providing the platform and sponsorship so that we can go live on all these social media platforms. And hey, thank you for the audience that joined us tonight. Um, we're glad to um, have you stick around. And um, looks like Kyle. Is that the Kyle we know, John? Let's see here. Uh, It's Kyle A. He's exciting working John. So what you're doing here. Yep. (laughs) Awesome. Thank you, Kyle. Thank you, Kyle. So appreciate everyone. And um, next week, um, Hillary, who's supposed to join us, she's been sick and um, she's hopefully gonna feel better next week. She'll be joining us on Bottoms Up and she goes share her experience um being in um working in Asia as a Caucasian woman um for Toyota. So um thank you so much everyone. Have a good night or morning.
2: Thank you, John. Hey, thank you thank guys. You, John. Thank, you, thank you, John. John. Bye. Bye.